Good morning. Oh, that was fun. First Peter, chapter number one. First Peter, chapter number one, and verse number four. We're on point number two, on lesson two. We talked about real faith promises hope, and now we're going to talk about real faith promises heaven. All right, that's the blank you got there on Roman, Roman numeral two. Real faith promises heaven. I'll read to us our first verse here, and then we'll continue. I will pray, and then we'll continue our lesson today. First Peter chapter number one, and verse number four. If you need some uh, papers here, there's still some. I'll give you a chance to get that. First Peter 1 and verse number 4. Real faith promises heaven. All right, let's read. Uh, I'll read it to you. You can follow along. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. All right. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. I'm going to break that verse down in this point number two of our lesson number two. Let's pray. Lord, bless us today. Thank you again for the last week that has passed. Lord, I pray that you were glorified in our lives. Lord, I pray that uh, you were pleased, Lord, with how we lived our lives, Lord. And I pray that if there was something that happened last week that we know displeased you, I pray that we won't wait very long to get that, Lord, under the blood. And I pray that we would, uh, as it says in First John, if we confess our sins, you are faithful to forgive us of our sins. Lord, as, uh, as your children, Lord, today, we'll never lose our salvation. And thank you for that. We'll never be uh, out of your family. Thank you for putting us into your family, what you did for us, Lord Jesus. But Lord, in day-to-day, Lord, as even my own children, there's things, Lord, that they know displeases their parents because of things that they know was wrong and they end up doing it. Lord, there's times in our lives, Lord, that we do that, I pray, that we would learn quickly, like David did, uh, to confess, to admit, Lord, what we've done, to acknowledge the wrong we've done, And Lord, find help in you. Lord, bless us today as we continue. May no uh, sin linger in our hearts. For that will really, really distract us from following where you're leading. And in listening to your word, uh, sin is what keeps us from it. And Lord, I pray today that we'll let the word keep us from sin. And I pray that you'd bless, we ask, as we look at your word now, as we get some hope of heaven. We ask that you give us encouragement, and again, it challenge us to be thankful we belong to a local church, and it will also give us motivation and love for others that are not, that we could invite them, we could let them know about you, and that they can get saved themselves. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Jesus is liberal in the sense that he is willing to give to every man that come to him the gift of salvation. He's a liberal God in that way. 
Uh, his gift never runs out. His grace is greater than our sin. There's not an amount of sin that you could do that his grace will not enable you uh, to be forgiven. Now, uh, he said, if grace abound, then you could sin. He said, God forbid. That was not the purpose of grace. The purpose of grace is not for you to continue in sin, but to give you victory out of sin. And so, uh, don't misunderstand his graciousness, all right? And the Bible talks about sometimes we will abuse it, okay? It gives us that thought that we can abuse the grace of God. So don't abuse the grace of God. Don't be in rebellion and say in your mind, well, God will forgive me anyways, so I can just sow my wild oats and just do whatever I want to do because it eventually he'll forgive me anyways. Okay, that's not a good way of living. And you will then experience another truth that God has, and that's his chastisement. He said, if he loves you, he will chastise you. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? And uh, you will meet uh, his judgment on earth. Uh, we'll never meet his judgment, eternal judgment. Praise the Lord if you're saved. Uh, that's why our point goes right here. If you have real faith in the Son of God, you are born again. You have trusted Jesus Christ for your only way of salvation. Then you have a promise of heaven. Okay? Uh, many religions claims a belief in heaven, but they cannot promise heaven. All right? They talk about heaven. They talk about it's something you can attain, but they never give you an assurance that you can have it, okay? Especially work-based salvation. Why? If they give you assurance you're going to get heaven, why work for it, all right? That loses all of their, <laughs> all their leverage, all right? <laughs> the leverage is gone, all right? They have no other way to get you to do right. That's why as a Christian, I don't believe in us doing right because we have to earn something. It is something we do because we reciprocate what love we have been given. All right, somebody has given me gifts lately, our family, and uh, we were blown away by it. It was amazing gifts. And we don't deserve it. We were not looking for it. We don't expect it, but we were given it. And you know what we do in return? We think fondly of that person. We pray for that person because we can never give back what they gave to us. And we gave them a token of thank you. That should be our motivation when we do things for the Lord. I come to, to the church as a thank you. I do what I do as a thank you. Not I'm earning anything. Because I can't earn anything. In me dwelleth no good thing. I am defiled. I am unclean. Christ made me. I was unholy. He made me holy. All that I am. Is him. I am what I am, Paul said, by the grace of God. If we believe those things, why do you do the things that you do? For the applause of men? You minister to people for the applause of men? And your ministry then is in vain in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not in my lesson. I don't know why God wants me to do this. But I'm going to it. The, the problem with a lot of American Christianity is we're goal-oriented people. And we get things done. But we forget about why we're doing what we're doing. And we run people over when we do what we're doing. You're in my way in my ministry. Get out of my way. If you're in my way, you're not fulfilling my program. And you hurt people trying to do God a favor? You think God's happy with that when you're hurting one of your brothers and sisters? You have no problem talking about them behind their back so you can look good in front of other people. 
How debauchery is that? It's how wicked that is. That is like the devil. And so, my friends, I, I pray that as we are living the Christian life, our motivation is love. And then he promises rewards. Pastor has very, very well has illustrated for us the different things that God promises. But that's not what motivates Chris Barron. I've learned that a long time ago. I know I'm going to get those things. I don't deny that. But that's not what motivates Chris Barron. I don't do the things for my wife because I want, him, I want her to feel like I'm a good person. That is so, because she knows I'm wicked. She knows I'm wicked, guys. I do it because I love her. I do the things I do because I love you. I'm teaching today because I love you. That should be my motivation as a Sunday school teacher, as a kids club teacher, as anything you do, as a nursery worker. You do it because you love God. And you put up with the mess. That's why I can deal with hard-headed people. Why? That's why pastor has pastor for 40 years. Because we love God. We're doing it for God. And in loving God, we end up loving you. Because God loves you. That's how it works. That's how it works. And so, may I challenge us today, please do not do anything you do for the applause of man, for the credibility, or the credential you get because of what men see you doing. Do not do that. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Don't do it for them. Don't do it for the God of heaven. Because the God of heaven knows your heart. And if he sees she's doing it despite everybody else, she's doing it despite of if she gets credit or not, she's doing it, you know what? I love it. And I'm for that person. Okay? And when you get to heaven, you'll enjoy it so much more. Because then all the things you've done will last. All right? The applause of men is only done here. I don't, any, I don't see any applause in heaven. It's not recorded for us. At least maybe there is. L- let me know. Uh, there's a lot of shinging, singing and shouting, but you don't find people clapping. Anyways, uh, you can have that if you want it. Uh, I always say this, the applause of men are cheap. But a true word of a friend to encourage you is needed. Don't mistake that, all right? Not all encouraging words are bad. Not all uh, compliments are wrong. Just when you get complimented, don't think that you're all that, okay? Just like when you're criticized, don't think that you're all that either, all right? Criticism has a level of truth in it. They don't know your heart, so they could criticize you, but they don't know the whole thing. But there's a level of truth in that, and so is with compliment. It's the same thing you do as water on the, duck, on the duck's back. You let it roll over you, okay? Uh, you don't believe all the compliments you get because you know full well they're not that true, okay? You just are thankful that somebody thought you were something. Just say thank you. That's the best way to do it. Thank you. Oh, God, they don't know. Thank you, you know? So when I get criticized, you know what? I'm so glad they don't know the rest of it. <laughs> if they only knew. Whew. So if they only saw a little bit of it, praise the Lord. God protected me. Anyways, uh, I don't know why I'm saying all this. Let's go back to our lesson. First Peter 1 and verse number 4, right? 
So letter A, it's a real place. It's a real place, all right? R-E-A-L. It's a real place. And there's your sub-point there, letter A. Heaven is not a type of mystical nirvana experience, which some religion promotes. It's not a kind of surreal existence. There are three phrases in 1 Peter 1.4 that describe attributes of a real place. All right? And we will talk about that here. First, it is an inherited property. It is an inherited property. The Bible refers to it as an inheritance incorruptible. If you see there, verse number four, to an inheritance incorruptible. This phrase speaks of a tangible property received. It indicates a literal physical place. Heaven is not symbolic. It is a real place where we who trusted Jesus Christ will live. All right. Jesus also spoke of heaven as a real place. If you want to go to John, John, the book of John, chapter number 14, the book of John, chapter number 14, and verses 1 to 3. The book of John, chapter number 14, verses 1 to 3. Very famous verses. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. That is a definite present tense statement. Are many mansions. All right? And a lot of times we misspoke this like he's preparing a place. No. He says there are mansions right now. Look. Look at the phrases it says. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so. See the phrase there? If it was not that way, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Guys, he's not preparing anything. It's already done. He's the omnipresent God. He's not only present in one place, but it speaks also of time. He's omnipresent in time. That means the beginning of time to the end of time. God has no end, no beginning. He has neither father nor mother. He's got no death. He is an eternal existing one. So he has no limit, no time limit, all right? He has already seen your life and the lives of your children and the lives of your grandchildren and then more. He's already been there. He's already been there. Right now we're trying to get into the house. God already knows. We have raised our kids in that house already. We already moved out of that house. We're somewhere warmer already. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> See, we can't put our mind in that because we're so limited. We can only exist at this present moment. But God already sees me when I'm, if I live to be 80, he already, he already knows who I look like. He said I would look pretty decent. So, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. He said, kid, you don't need to know that. That's not important. Right? But anyways, he is omnipresent. He's, he's existing in all places. He's neither limited by space matter or time and so he's in every time period he's already there that's why the bible says he's already seated in the heavenlies all right he's already rejoicing to him the tribulation already happened the the great white throne is already done that's why he speaks of it so authoritatively he says it like it is because to him it's already done it's already been done now we the bible is for us that's why prophecy is for us, all right? And it helps us. And down the road, we'll see that the truth of the word of God will happen. Because 
He is omnipresent. Just that. That's just one of his attributes. Uh, makes us want to worship him. Makes us want to fall down and ask him for every decision we're having to make. Just that truth. We would do that. Because he knows what will be. He knows what has been. He knows what's going on. And he knows what will be. That's why if you have any children, ask God every day. Help me. What do I need to do now? Because you already know. You already know down the road. Help me. What do I need to do now? And so, uh, pretty incredible. In my father's house are many mansions. It's a definite statement. It is there. If it were not so, if it does not the case, then I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. So he's definitely making sure you know the truth. I have a place for you. There is no problem in my house. You know when you have somebody come over to your house, you're concerned about you have an empty seat, you have an up table, uh, you have an placement for them to sit down. If they're spending days with you, you have a room that they can stay, you can accommodate them. Jesus is saying to us on, on John 14, is, I have more than enough room and they are ready. Come on in. That's what he's saying. I have no problem accommodating. You are welcome. Come. And as a child of God, uh, God says, you can stay home. We're forever millennials. We don't have to leave. All right? 30-year-old, 40-year-old, eternity. You'll be in Papa's house forever. All right? Praise the Lord. He's eating out of his table. That's not American. All right? But that's what God promised. So I'm happy about that. Uh, in this life, though, you need to work. All right? There's a Bible truth for that. Look at this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. If I can define heaven, very simply, is where God is. Is where Jesus is. I, don't, I can't explain it to you. I don't know what's there. I don't even know what the Bible tells us about heaven. But I know Jesus is going to be there. And that's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. In fact, today, there's three heavens, all right? Scripture talks about three different heavens. You've got the sky, the firmament, and you've got the, the stars. There's a second heaven, and then Paul talks about a third heaven. It's where Christ lives. Now, the Bible does say that the devil goes to and fro and accuses us brethren, and that's not the heaven we're going to have in the new heaven that God's going to make. And then there's Abram's bosom, and then there's paradise. So there's a lot of different things. You want to study out heaven, there's a lot to do with it, okay? But uh, I give you that to give you an appetite. Don't get confused, all right? That's why I define heaven as where Jesus is going to be. Revelations 21 and verse 1 to 4 is talking about the new heaven here. Jesus de described this to be a real place, all right? Especially verse 3, pay attention to that. But look at verse 1 in Revelations 21. And I saw a new heaven... And the new earth, for the first heaven, and the first earth were passed away, and there were no more sea. So that's talking about uh, the heaven of here. Verse 2, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride and adorned for a husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. If you study the tabernacle of Exodus, 
That was his idea. The very idea of God was to dwell with men. Why? Because in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, chapter number 1, in chapter number 2, where do we find God? There was a thought that revealed to us that God was walking with Adam and Eve every day. It was a place of that they dwelt together. All right? Before sin was in the picture, God walked on the earth with Adam and Eve. We know that from Genesis chapter number 3 when they fell. Because God was walking as he is. He's faithful. We're the unfaithful ones. We are the ones that fail. He never fails. And so he's walking the same way he's walked before. And he asked Adam, where art thou? Sin kept him. He was preoccupied with what he did. And he had to figure out how to take care of the problem. He sowed fig leaves and covered themselves up. So heaven is going to be a place where God is going to dwell with us. Right? And look at what it says, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. What we're looking forward to is that place. It's a real place. Jesus himself, our living hope, is there. What a great day it will be when we go to this place and see him. Heaven is also an incorruptible place. 1 Peter 1, 4, we read it, says it's an incorruptible, undefiled. In heaven, there is no rottenness or decay or mildew or rust. And for all of us OCD people, it is going to be great. And for you that don't care, you're going to be happy too. Anyways, <laughs> I hate all the things that destroy, right? I like it perfect. And heaven will be such a place, right? Revelations 21, 27. We're still there, right? Revelations 21, 27. And it says... And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or make it a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And if you're not saved, your life is not recorded, your name is not recorded there. You need to have Jesus Christ save you, and then he'll put you in the Lamb's book of life. He has given you life. That's so amazing, right, how God records, because he's a God of order. He numbers your hair. He bottles your tears. All the things he does that to us are minuscule. But to him means something. He records your name. Anybody he has even given life to eternally, he has your name recorded. So when you get to heaven, he's not going to be mistaken. There's not going to be a mistake. Because he's going to be recording it. He writes it down. Chris Barron got saved. What's your name? Oh. What letter is that? Oh. Is there a silent P? Oh, let's go to P. He won't do that. If he had me on the gate, I might ask that. Because I can't pronounce half of the name. Polchesky. Right? That says the P, right? But it's got a lot of silent letters in there. So if it's got a lot of P's, I can start on the P, but then I don't know if it's a C, right? Well, that'd be messed up, brother. But anyways, uh, so... He goes, oh, he's here. Come on in. He's got a birth certificate for all those that are saved. So that's what is awaiting us. No decay, no corruption, no defilement. Can it get any better? Actually, yes. It can get better. 
Again, we're looking at 1 Peter 1.4. There's that one verse is so, is so amazing. If you want to memorize that, Sunday night's coming. Memorize that verse as a short verse. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. <clears throat> it faded not away. This phrase comes from a root word meaning perennial. Like the plants and flowers that bear this name, heaven never withers or fades. It is a place of perpetual joy and never-ending immortality. Real faith gives us solid hope, right? In a real place. That's why I go back to this, guys. The Bible, God, is so proven. We only need to have a little faith to trust it. Our faith don't have to be perfect because it does not depend on our great faith. It depends on His greatness and our puny faith that He's given us a measure of if we just simply say, I'll put it on that person. God says, praise the Lord. Thank you for your exercise of your free will. You trusted me. Let me take care of the rest, son. Let me take care of the rest, daughter. Could you let me take care of the rest? And all we have to say is, sure. And he actually does a marvelous job. I did not make a mistake finding my wife. I love the children I've got. And I understand sin corrupts any good thing. Some people lost children. I lost our first one. We lost our first one. He's in, she's in heaven or he's in heaven. We don't know. If the, there's things that happen because of sin. All right? Any bad thing is sin. Any diseases ever people got is from sin. Any cancer you've ever heard of is from sin. Anything that deteriorates, you buy a brand new car and it's falling apart, is sin. Anything that happens is sin that is bad. Because Adam and Eve would not have tasted any of those things. If they chose not to disobey. But because they chose sin. Sin came. And sin destroys. Okay, so next time you complain about somebody disabled. You complain to sin. Don't complain to God. Complain to the sin. Remember the story of the blind man. Who sinned? They had it right at least. It must be the parents sin. And they say no it must be the person's sin. At least they were right in one thing. It was sin to blame. Not God. It is hard to have somebody born in your family that has some uh, disabilities. But don't blame God for it. Blame sin for it. Okay? It is sin. Let us get that right. It is sin. The only reason why there's, there's problems is because of sin. There's people that don't get along. is because of sin. It's sin. It's always sin. Blame the sin. Okay? That's the problem. Not God. All right? Not God. He in his sovereignty is trying to help us. He's always trying to restore. He's always trying to clean things up. He's always trying to rebuild. He's always trying to make us new. He's about remodeling because sin has destroyed it. We're doing a house and, 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 and life just has taken its toll on the place. Time and has taken the toll on the place. Damages are there and so we repair it. Guess what though? That repair is temporal. As we live in there, it's going to get destroyed. 
But whoa, what a wonderful place heaven will be when there will be no more things that will destroy it. Even the devil is not welcome there. Hallelujah for that. And you will shed your flesh, and God will give us a new body, a new celestial body, uh, immortality, and uh, what an amazing place. Uh, Number, letter B, quickly. We're going to be done here. Letter B. It's a reserved place. It's a reserved place. Your sub-point B there. A reserved place, R-E-S-E-R-V-E-D. Reserved place. All right? 1 Peter 1.4, it says, Reserve in heaven for you. Reserve in heaven for you. All right? Heaven can only be reserved through real faith in Jesus Christ. All right? The Bible speaks of this reservation in Colossians 1. Let's go over there really quick. Colossians chapter number 1. That's a great book to read. Colossians 3 especially. As you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord, so walk ye in him. Talking about living the Christian life. That's a good chapter to study. Chapter number 3 of Colossians. Man, if you get chapter 3, you're going to be a great Christian. If you figure it out, help me. All right? I'm trying to figure it out. But Colossians 3 is an amazing chapter. Uh, the whole idea of Colossae, you'll understand, they're right by their Laodicea. And I think they got the, some of the sickness Laodicea has, if you know your scripture about Laodicea. But anyways, besides the point, let's go here to Colossians chapter number 1, if I get there. All right? Guys, help me. Where is it? All right, there it is. Colossians chapter number 1 and verse number 3. It says, we give thanks to God. You see that? A lot of times, thanks is given. There is no other spirit you can have as a child of God if you feel blessed today. But the spirit of thanksgiving will come out of your mouth. It will be seen in the way you live. You will be so thankful if you realize what you really deserve. Guys, I, gotta, I, got, I woke up and I had Timmy's. Somehow... I got Timmy's at their table, and there's donuts there. And so I ate myself a cream-filled vanilla chocolate icing donut. I don't deserve that, but I got to eat one today. And guess what I say in my mind and my heart? Thank you. I opened up my ref, and I got a 2% top market, unexpired, 2% milk. Real stuff. Because in the Philippines, we have the stuff that is on the shelf forever unrefrigerated and stays there. I don't know what they are, but probably plastic. Anyways, I can probably put it on the mudding and mix it up and maybe... Anyways, but wow, I drank a glass of that after that milk and my palate says, Hallelujah! And my belly says, Ha, 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 And my heart's going to say, It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Diabetes is a real thing. And so, anyways, besides all of that, focus on the taste of the mouth. Hallelujah, right? I don't deserve any of that. I woke up and my daughter comes slipping right in bed and gave me a big hug. I don't deserve that, guys. I don't deserve any of that. Thank you. I had heat in my house. Thank you. Man, if you live live like the, the scripture tells us that we don't deserve a thing. 
And you get all of those things all the time. There's nothing, I think, as a Christian, you can have a spirit of thankfulness. And it'll help you not complain. Because being thankful and complaining, they don't go. We don't sing about that on Thanksgiving. All right, everybody, sit down. Uh, let's complain. All right, you start. What do you have to complain about? Well, it's the spirit of Thanksgiving. Let's complain. Okay, you. What, what are you complaining about? The turkey? What, you didn't like that was oven roasted? You wanted a little bit deep fried on peanut oil? All right, let's get that next year. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so thankful. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. And then we got all this to look forward to. Man, if it's rough for you now. The best is yet to come if you're saved. Don't be jealous in the world. Psalms 37, there was a guy that looked in the world and said, they have everything, and I don't. I don't have the nicest house. Barely making it. Don't have the car cars falling apart. It's oil dripping. It's not. And you, uh, you get so bogged down with what you don't have. And you forget you have something they don't have. You have Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you have more than most people have. I don't care where they live. I don't care what kind of houses they have. I'm just saying to you, Christianity, if you just settle in a little bit and really understand what God has done for us, there's nothing you can say but say thank you. Well, I, 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 this car, well, it's only good for now. Let's just work harder and prepare and, and let God do the rest of it that I can't do, right? And then he, he normally does. He normally does provide. He's a great Jehovah that provides. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ always for you. Since, here's the, the intricate part of thanksgiving and prayer. Because when you realize the truth that everything comes from God. I'm preaching my sermon morning, morning message. That's why I shouldn't be preaching a lot. But anyways, because it gets all put together. But, but when, you, when you pray, you exercise faith in somebody that you know has done it and not you. And then when it happens, you thank him. You, you, are, so, you are so thankful. Because he is faithful. He has promised if you do what he says and you obey and his grace, you find that he is true. We give thanks to God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Because I can't do it. There's so many different questions that have been asked me, and I'm not even the pastor yet. I'm just an associate now, but it's anticipating to be that. And I got people have things in their life that are very, very serious. And they've asked me, what would you do? And I look at them like... I only know what God says. So let's go back to what God says. And in the end, I always say this. I can always pray for you. Because if I don't understand, at least I know he, uh, he understands. And he will do it far better job than I can. I'm, I'm telling you, for my children, I wish I could live their life for them. But the reality is I can't. And as a pastor... We can't live your life. You have to live your own life. We're only here to let you know that God wants 
to be involved. And all I'm asking is, have him involved. Your wife today, have him involved in that. You're a daughter that lives in your parents' house, have him involved in that. You're a son that lives in your parents' house, you're starting a life, you're getting a job, you're looking for a partner in life, you're looking for a relationship, a solid, real, serious relationship. Ask God. Ask God. I can't pick for you. My situation was totally different than yours. There's only one Elizabeth. You can't have her. I already got her. And the way to get her was different. In the sense of my circumstance and situation in life was totally different. You have to pick your way and you have to ask God to help you. And that's what is so special. That's what's so special. If you ask anybody that have gotten married and, and, and they're married today, their, 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 their life is so different than one from another. I can give you the principles. I can give you God. I can tell you what God says. Then you have to make some choices. All right? And you have to get in with God. And he will help you with all those things. Since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel. There's always a link in scripture between faith in Jesus Christ and hope in heaven. No church, no deeds, no prayers, no offering can give you entrance into heaven. The only way to secure a reservation in heaven is by real faith in Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, we all know the verse. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Not only does Jesus make the reservation possible, but he keeps the reservation as well. That is so nice. I make reservation in planes that we're leaving at this time by this uh, Delta Airlines. Sorry, Delta, against you. All of you are messed up. But anyways, uh, this particular airline, I made reservation. This day I'm leaving. I got this amount of baggage. They told me I can have two of these kind, one of these kind, and one that I carried me. I walk in. They say, canceled. When? Indefinite. Where can you get me now? Oh, we'll buy another. Our buddy airlines will be here. We're competing with. We're going to buy from them. We'll call them for you. Oh, they don't have anything either. They don't have anything. We don't have anything. Sorry. Wait till next week. Oh, but I made reservation. This is three months ago. I, I, I bought the tickets. Sorry. Here's the number you can complain. Wait five hours. You get the next person. They'll tell you. We'll ship you to this person. Get to that person. I'll give you back to that person. Hey, sorry. Right? Well, the reservation with heaven is not kept by men. It's kept by God, right? Look at 1 Peter 1.5, the next verse. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto the salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. Look at this last verse I'm going to read to you. Ephesians 1.13, we're going to be done. Through verse 14. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, after that you believe, after you trusted Jesus Christ. So a lot of people are, oh, I don't feel saved today. And the doubter comes because the devil wants you to doubt. And you doubt and doubt. No, if you did what God says. And if you happen to remember and jot it down. And then later after you believe, all of these things comes. This is a verse you need to memorize. Look at what the verse says. In whom also after that you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
which is the earnest of our inheritance. I had to put an earnest on my house. I didn't know what that was. But praise the Lord, I know what the Bible means. An earnest is a, is a, uh, a way to say to you, I am serious about this purchase. So here's an earnest down money that I give to you. You cannot offer this house to anybody else. It is mine. I'm giving you $5,000 to keep it. It's mine. They have it in their bank. And that is law in our country. In your purchasing, that is honorable. They can't sell that until I make a decision if I want it or not. Who is the earnest of our inheritance? The Holy Ghost. When we get saved, the Holy Ghost comes inside and God says, you are mine. The Holy Ghost doesn't leave you. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah for salvation. It's fully, fully, fully faith. Who is in earnest of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Until the closing date. When the, the lawyer signs all the paper and you sign 97 pieces of paper for a little dinky house. And he gives you with a little smirk because he's eccentric. Passes it to you and smiles. You're now a proud owner of a New York residence. You walk out of that wonky office, and now I have a house. Hallelujah, right? With Jesus Christ, he says, I got the earnest. Closing date is coming. Pastor's been preaching about it. The trumpet will blow. The king will come in the air. He'll call us up. Closing date. He's got the keys. Woo! Out of here. Honeymoon time. Let's pray. Lord, bless us, we ask. Guide us. Thank you for the promise of heaven. Our real faith, give us heaven. It's not something we wish we could have. It's not something, oh, it's something we know we have because of a real faith. Bless in Jesus' name. Amen.